Well, you've all been there. You've all been in that place where you've got your computer on and you're working on a project and you're trying to purchase something in your browser and your computer completely freezes or crashes. And the first thought that you have in that moment is usually the first thing that happens is you're going, did I lose what I was working on? And then your second thought is, what's wrong with my computer? Hopefully it's, you go to, if you're like me, you go to the worst case scenario, you think, I hope the hardware is still good, or maybe it's just the software, but likely the first thing you, you hope has happened is, is, is that your computer is just overheated, maybe. Maybe it's because you haven't updated like every day, you get that notification to, to update those third-party apps, and you never do it like me, so you're hoping that it may be just overheated or got overbooked, and so what do you do? You push the power button for about five seconds, and you hope when you reboot that computer that it goes back and you don't lose all the things that you've been working on. You know, 2020 is kind of like that. As I kind of liken that to 2020, it kind of felt that way. Life was going well. We started out the year really well. There was some momentum, things that we were working on, and then COVID hit. And then we went, eventually, some of us quicker than others, but we went into overload. When it was overload and it really froze us up, it really stopped us from maybe being as productive as we were before and maybe even spiritually did a number on us out of fear of what this is and how this works. And I think 2020 kind of felt that way. And so I'm hearing a lot as we begin 2021 as we hope that 2021 is kind of this reboot where we push the power button, we're hoping and when we restart life in 2021, that something will be different, that life will be different, that it will come back to normal. And I wonder, spiritually speaking, as we think about the church and we think about our spiritual lives, I wonder the number maybe that 2020 has done to us. Maybe it's changed some things in us. Maybe it's brought more fear out. Maybe we need some work. Maybe we need a reboot or maybe we need even as a church to re-engage. We started 2020, if you were here, the first meeting, the first week of 2020 this past year, um, talking about as a church how we wanted it to be a building year, how we wanted to train people, how we wanted to see new people come and engage them and assimilate them into the life of the body. And it felt like in March, kind of the, the ground underneath that building and the scaffolding we were on kind of got shaken up. And I wonder, to a certain extent, if that changed some things about that building process. And so my word, we talk about words for New Year's. Maybe the word for this year ought to be re-engage or engage in the building of the church. And so what I want to do this morning is just take a few minutes and remind us and remember who we are as a church and how we get back to engaging in the kingdom work that God has called us to as a church. We're going to remember the purpose and the mission of the church that is ongoing, that doesn't change, it never changes until Christ comes back. And what does it look like to pursue and engage in the pathways that God has put in front of us to engage in the purpose and the mission of the church? So the first thought I have for you this morning is this. We need to remember our purpose and our mission. We need to remember our purpose and our mission. And I'm just going to read for you, and you can look at it on the screen, but this is really the mission statement of the church. Christ Community Church. Christ Community Church exists. We think these are biblical values, and so we brought this out of biblical values that we see in Scripture. So see 
exists first to glorify God. How do we do that? By making disciples who are growing and who are multiplying in authentic community. And so let's just break that down, particularly the first two phrases. We exist to bring glory to God. That is our purpose. And we do that by making disciples. This is our task. This is our mission. But what kind of disciples do we want to make? Do we want to make disciples who just prayed a prayer and trusted in Christ and that's it? No, we want to make disciples who are growing. And not only growing, but they're multiplying. So they see that it's not only me growing, but I want other people to grow around me. That we're multiplying that discipleship. That we're engaged in sharing the gospel with other people. Seeing people mature and grow. And seeing churches move and plant other churches. And, and what's the context? What's the context in which this mission statement finds itself in the context of community. So we're bringing glory to God together. We're making disciples together. We're seeing people grow and multiply together. So let's just take the first idea there. To glorify God. So you, are, you and I are made for worship. This is the purpose in which you exist and I exist. We are made for worship. It's not just a tagline to the rest of the statement because other churches say something about glorifying God. No, this is the purpose. This is the primary purpose of your life is to bring glory to God. This is the idea of worship. We are a people that are going to worship. We're a people that are going to worship something. God has built into us this need for worship. This need to worship Him, but what happens? Even with our first parents, and Adam and Eve, what happened to them? They turned from worshiping their God who had created them out of His benevolence and His goodness and they turn to say, no, I think I can figure it out myself. I think I'll worship the creation rather than the creator. And this is the reason for the gospel, the need for the gospel, the good news of Christ. That Christ would come and crush the serpent's head because we have a worship problem. We have a worship problem that is only solved by the gospel of Christ. That it changes our hearts from the inside so that we can again be redeemed and be able to worship our creator. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're in a place where you've never trusted in Christ, that good news. You have a worship problem. You have a worship problem because you're worshiping either yourself or things around you, but you're not worshiping your Creator. And the means by which you do that is the gospel of Christ. And so the chief end of man becomes worshiping and glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. But here's the beauty. The beauty is this is that the mission of God, the task of God, listen, if you are a high D personality, you like tasks, you like checking things off of a box, you may be really focused in on the task. The task that God has given us to make disciples. This is the mission in which we're at. But the fuel for making disciples is worship. Because as we love God and worship God, think of the great commandment before the great commission, as we worship God and know Him, love the Lord what? with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, taste and see that He is good. This is worship. The fuel for making disciples is worship. And this is the second point in our mission statement. We bring glory to God by making disciples. This is the task. This is the mission. If you turn, you know the text. Many of you know the text. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. This is, Jesus has taken men who don't know him, and they've become followers of Jesus, and he's taught them 
and they're learners, they've been learning from Jesus since the end of Jesus' ministry, we come to Matthew 28. And 18 gives us this great commission, this task. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples who of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is the task. Some of you have been in the military before, and so you know what it's like to be single-minded. You're in the military, this is the plan, you have a task, you have a mission that you're on, and nothing dissuades you from that mission. And 2 Timothy Paul picks this idea up in chapter 2, and he says, no soldier and, and puts himself into civilian affairs, because he wants to please his commanding officer. So a soldier is single-minded. This is what Paul is saying. A soldier is single-minded in the context of his discipleship. He's single-minded in making disciples. The other day I was watching um, a lot of bowl games I was trying to watch in the last week. I was watching Army uh, play West Virginia. They almost, almost pulled it off, but they didn't. Liberty Bowl, you're in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, the commentator at some lull in the action starts talking about, which they often do, even during COVID, the fun things that the West Virginia team got to do in their time in Memphis. They went and ate some barbecue. Um, they did all these different things. And then, he's, and then he says nothing about armies as well. I don't think army did anything. I got no reports. I think they went back to the barracks and uh, they made sure their beds were curled under and tied and their hair was tie high and tight because that's what it means to be a soldier. It means that you often give up your own liberties, no pun intended, your own liberties so that others can have freedom. And so this is the idea for you and me as Christians. There's a sense in which we are soldiers in his army. Remember the song, old people, when you were a kid? We are, and we're single-minded, and we're single-minded around this task that God has given us to make disciples so that all these other pleasures of the world and things of the world pushed out of the way, and we have a single-minded focus on making disciples. That's our aim. That's what the task and the mission that God has left for us. But there's a lot of, of allure out there to get us off task, to get us off mission, that we often struggle with. So let me ask you this morning, as we begin 2021, do you need a reboot? Do you need a reboot on your, your primary purpose in life being to bring God glory, to worship Him, and to know Him. As I think about this last year, I think about my own spiritual life. I can do a lot of things, but in the back of my mind, it's like the Spirit of God is telling me over and over and over again to come back to the throne of God, to live in the face of God, to know Him. If I want this task of making disciples and all the different things about my life to function the way that God wants them to function. I have to be in communion with Him. And so where are you at? Do you need a reboot on the purposes of life that God has built in for you to worship Him, to know Him? David said it this way in the Psalms. There's one thing I ask of the Lord that I might seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord all night. The single purpose is to know God. And maybe as you think about making disciples, 
You need a reboot on the focus of making disciples in your life, of sharing the gospel with people, to seeing people around you come to know Christ, and then discipling people. But here's what happens when I say all that. What happens when I say all that, you think in your mind, probably this massive thing. You think of, well, I guess I need to beat Billy Graham. You know, I, may, I need to lead thousands of people to Christ. Or I need to have this Bible study where 50 people come and then 60, 70 and this massive Bible study. Then I'm really making disciples. That's the way we tend to think and that's often very defeating, isn't it? But here's the thing. As you go. The Bible talks about as you are going. And you've got a family. Many of you have families. You have a spouse. You have people you work with. Start where you're at. We have these grandiose ideas, but maybe God just wants us to start in discipling the best community group that we have, and that's really in our home. Or the person that you work with that doesn't yet know Jesus, but he's asking or she's asking questions. And so don't think large scale. Maybe, maybe that's what God's calling on your life, but think small. Think about what's right in front of you, the people and places and situations that are right in front of you. And how you might pursue the purposes of God and the mission. So remember the purpose and mission of God. Start where you're at. What does that look like? What does that look like in real life? The second idea that I want to share with you this morning is that we need to be a people who engage. Talk about re-engaging in 2021. Engage in this discipleship pathways that help us pursue our purpose and our mission. I want to go to 1 Peter with you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. 1 Peter 2. I, I preached on this text at the beginning of September. Um, beginning of September, so you might want to go listen to that sermon if you want a fuller, fully orb thought about this text. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. You and I know, I think over 300 times in the New Testament, you see this phrase, in Christ, right? The idea that we're connected to Christ, we are in Christ, He's connected to us. There's union with Christ. This idea is the idea that we're secure in Him. Not only that, the Bible says that Christ is in us. We are in Christ. All things are hidden in Christ, in God, and so we are secure. So when you think about all the trouble in your life, or all the things that are hard in your life, whether it's a diagnosis, or whether it's the potential of lost job, or whether it's just hurt from a relationship, you need to know that you're secure in God, in Christ, that you're hidden in Him. But what First Peter does is it helps us understand some other things. That's kind of our identity. Our general identity is that we are people in Christ. But there are other identities that the Bible speaks to and about more specifically. In First Peter chapter 2, I think you see four or five of these identities. And if you're, you have this identity, then it means you, you live that identity out. You, you live that identity out. So let me read 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want to walk through some of these identities. As we read, I want you to be thinking about who we are in Christ, and there's four or five things I want to point out. Verse 2, it says, Like newborn infants long for this pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And as you come to Him, verse 4, a living stone, Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You hear that? You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. 
And then he speaks in the next few verses about the gospel and the stumbling block that Christ is. And then you go to verse 9 and he says this. But you are a chosen race. Think identity. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Think of the passage that Gatlin had us read today. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that the, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here are some of the identities that you see in this text. The first one is family, and I was saying it. You see this idea of family. You see the words, the household, the spiritual house, the priesthood, chosen race, holy nation, a people. See, the church is a family. It's a family, so there's this identity of family and community. And I want you to think about the way in which you interact with family. You interact closely with them, you're honest with them, it goes good, it goes bad, but you're still family. Blood is thicker than water. And this is the way the body of Christ is. We're a family, we're a community that Jesus died for. And so I would just ask you, are you connected to the family? Are you not connected to the family? So we live in this culture where it's just kind of like one-stop church, where we just come on Sunday and we leave. We say, hey, I go to this church, but are you connected to the church? Are you connected to one another? So you see in verses 5 and 9 and 10 this picture in 1 Peter of an identity, that you are family with one another. You may not be blood-related, but you are spiritually related to one another. So how does that inform the way we interact with one another? How does that inform how... We live with one another as a spiritual family. And then I think you also see in verse 9 there that, look at verse 9, that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. What is the purpose of the priest? What is their primary job? Their primary job is to serve. You think about Jesus being the final high priest. He's certainly a prophet. He's certainly a king, but he's the priest who serves. He gave his life as a ransom for many, for you and for me. And so Christ is that and so their primary job is to serve. And it says that we, as the church, are a royal priesthood. That means that we are servants. So we are family. We are servants. And so I just ask you this morning, where are you serving? Where are you giving? And third identity I see in this passage, look at verses one or 2 and 3. It says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. In other passages in Scripture, this is part and parcel with being a people that know God's word and live according to God's word. That you're growing up by knowing God through his word. You know, the, the essence of the word disciple is what? Learner. The men that walk with Jesus were, were learners. This is part of who we are. We ought to be a people who are committed to learners. This is our identity. So how are you learning and growing in the world, in the word? What is your plan for 2021 to grow in God's word? To know him. And then look at verse 9 through 12. In verse 9 through 12, you see this identity of, of missionary, if you will. This is the way, this is my translation of it. It says that they are exiles and strangers, that this isn't their home. You see that? They're exiles and strangers in this place. 
And they are there to declare and display the gospel. Do you see it? So they're to live in a way that brings light and declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So how does a missionary live? If you were going to go be a missionary in another country, what are you going to do? You're going to sacrifice, surely, but you're going you're to go and try to understand the people that you're going to minister to, aren't you? You're going to try to figure out how to minister to them, whether it's language or culture, and you're going to move your life around. How do I reach these people? You and I are missionaries right where we are. This is an identity of every Christian. So are we living like sojourning missionaries, or have we deeply rooted our lives in this world? As consumers. This is the call and identity of the Christian. And then last, we are worshipers. Do you see it in verse 5? In the end of verse 5 there, you see this picture of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And then the last verse in verse 12, you see, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So, you know what a priest does? A priest's primary function is to serve. But do you know the primary privilege of a priest? primary privilege of a priest is that he gets access to God. That you and I can go before the throne of God, live before the throne of God. What a great privilege that is to be able to worship God in that way. And that's what you and I are able to be and do. We are a royal priesthood who serves but also has access to the throne. You have access to the throne of God as a believer in Christ. So are you meeting with him do you know him? Are you pursuing him? I want to throw up this graphic, and I threw it up in, in September as well. But here's, here's kind of where the rubber meets the road. Okay, so we have purpose, and we have a mission as a, as a church. So we have a purpose in life. As a church, we have a mission. But how is what we're doing undergirding the mission of God and the purpose of God? And that's really a question every church has to ask. And based on where you live and based on where the church is, and we call it contextualization in Acts 29, um, but based on those things, we develop pathways in which we can make disciples or be disciples, right? And so some of the ways in which Christ Community Church has tried to undergird, undergird the mission, right? And you can go to churches and go, does what you're doing, and you should ask this here, does what we're doing press into the mission that we have? and the purposes that we see in Scripture. And, and ask that question. You should ask that question of me or elders. If we're going to start some ministry, does it have a purpose that's related to the Great Commission, and the Great Commandment? And so these are pathways that we've created here for you as a church. You might want to call them programs, but for us, they're discipleship pathways for us to live out these identities and core values that undergird and help us fulfill the mission of the church. And so worship. We think about worship. This is primarily, these are primary thoughts on the right side there. Primarily that for us, worship, it's a way of life. We know that. But as we think about worshiping corporately, we come together on Sunday morning to worship our great God together. And so worship on Sunday morning, that involves the gathered saints. This is what Hebrews 10 reminds us of, isn't it? That the saints gather together. Don't forsake the assembly together as habit for some, but all the more as the day of Christ approaches. So there's this idea of gathering of God.
God's people. We sing. We have communion to remember what Christ has done for us. We read the scripture. We preach the word. And here we choose to preach the word expositionally. Because I kind of need to get out of the way so you can hear the scripture. And it forces the pastor to unpack the word of God. And the idea of expositional preaching is that the main idea of the text that we're in will be the main idea, novel idea, of the sermon and its application. And so that's what we should hold me accountable to. And so we think this is for us, this is the best way that, that we know to preach so that you're equipped, so that you learn and grow. And I know, as I think about worship and as I think about Sunday morning, I realize, I realize that COVID has been a, a huge challenge. And as a shepherd of a church, and you can go ask other churches how they're doing it, but a shepherd does a number of things. So think elders, think me. The shepherd is, is charged to care for the flock, protect the flock. It's also called, called to, to look at new pastures when green grass in this pasture gives up. The sheep needs to go to a new pasture, so there's vision and direction. And then the shepherd is also called to lead and care for the flock, to take the, the one in the flock that has gone away and bring them back. And I think that's a difficult task when you deal with something as complex as COVID. Um, however, I think as a church, it's a great joy for me to see people showing up on Sunday morning. And it's been a great blessing to be able to have the technology, frankly, to pull off live stream. To pull off live stream so that people can sit at home. People that have immuno issues or they're first responders who are, don't want to put your health at risk um, or whatever the situation is, it's a great blessing. And yet, the rub of that is this, is that the church is called to be a gathered church. And by the way, I've, I think as I talk to other pastors and other churches, um, there's been a lot of rub in some churches. It's split some churches. It's caused great division in some churches. And I haven't seen that here. And that's a testimony um, to really the way you've lived out in my mind, Romans 14, that people have different convictions and different thoughts. And, and that's a great encouragement to me as your pastor to, to watch that. Um, but I would tell you that it's important to gather. And so how do we put those together? And I would just say to you that it's a joy to see you coming and engaging. And what we often do is we put physical health over here and spiritual health over here. And I'm not sure. I know why we do that. I've done that. But I'm not sure that's the greatest way to think of it. But when I think about a Christian and a Christian's identity and who you are, we've all felt the rub, right? We've all felt the rub of not being able to be close to other believers. Maybe for the first time, we realize what a blessing it is to be able to be together as the body of Christ. But as your pastor, I, do, I will tell you that there's a rub there for us to go, hey, it's not healthy for a Christian not to gather together. And so we're working as elders to figure this thing out in 2021. But it's a joy to see you come back to worship. And for you, those of you that are live streaming, first, you, you need to know it's not a long term. This is not going to be forever that we live stream. We certainly will continue to live stream. You know, the vaccine will take care of all problems, right? So, so we'll be good after that so everybody can come back. But we certainly want to be thoughtful about encouraging you to come back to worship. And not putting, frankly, a stumbling block in front of you to go, hey, um, I'm just going to do the COVID thing. I've heard this, right? Have you heard this? So there's people that need to be at home. There's people that need to be here, I think. And then there's kind of this middle ground. 
And this person doesn't go to our church, so I can just tell you this. Um, but I had this conversation. Maybe nobody in this church feels free as the pastor to go, hey, here's, here's why I'm not coming to church. Um, but I said, hey, brother, like, tell me about what you're doing for church. And they're like, well, we're not going, and we're just kind of doing the COVID thing. I'm like, what do you mean the COVID thing? And the COVID thing means that we're not live streaming either. Like, we're just using this time to do the COVID thing. And I had a nice but direct conversation with this brother to say, that's, that's not healthy for you. That's not healthy for your family. You need to engage. You need to engage in the mission and the purposes of God. You need to lead your family well. And so I think the thing that I'm most concerned about is in, in the church, I think most pastors, if you ask them honestly, is concerned about is that the rhythm of live stream and not coming to church kind of got you to a place where we have new reasons not to come to church that don't involve, that don't involve, hey, uh, I'm doing this for immunocompromised reasons, but I'm just doing it because I'm in this new rhythm. And so that's the challenge. That's the challenge I'm offering you as your shepherd, is that why? Why are you staying away? And I'm saying to you, consider, consider coming back as we began 2021. That was a minor point that I just kind of went over here, and so I'm going to come back. Um, so worship, this is an important part of the identity of a believer. It's an important part of the purpose and mission of the church, and to connect, to connect in community groups. That's the primary way in which we want you to belong somewhere. As people who have busy lives to say, hey, we're going to connect with people in this church. We're going to go past the point of just showing up on Sunday. We're going to connect our lives with other people's lives. We're going to share life with them. We're going to be honest with them. They can be honest with us. When they have problems or they have a baby, we're going to take care of them. When they're sick, we're going to take care of them to bear each other's burdens. This is what we do in community groups. And these are the two things we really highlight as a discipleship pathway. We want you to come on Sunday morning. I want you to serve somewhere. I want you to be involved in the life of the church with other believers. To do life together. And then last, or not last, next, we want you to learn and grow. Remember we said a disciple is essentially a learner. Someone who learns and grows. So part of our mission statement, we're not just trying to produce disciples uh, who prayed a prayer and just left it there. We're trying to produce people who are committed to Christ, who know Christ, who live life for Christ. And so we want you to be growing into the image of Christ and learning and the ways that we do that here. There's um, women's ministry, men's ministry, student ministry. Um, there is kids' ministry on Sunday morning. Um, there's the institute that we started. These are all pathways that you can choose from to go, hey, this would be really great. It would be really great for me to engage with other men or other women be really great for my kid to, to come and engage in student ministry where we learn and grow with other kids their age. It'd be great if I had a better framework to understand the Bible and come to the Institute. Man, we live in this crazy culture where it's hard to, to interpret what you're hearing because there's elements of truth and, and this ism or spasm or this movement or that movement, but how do I rightly divide what I see out there by the Word of God? So that's why we're so passionate about starting and putting the institute in a place where you can come and grow and learn. So a huge thing for us. And then we, we want you to serve. We want you to serve and we want you to give of your time and your money and your effort. There's all kinds of ways you can serve here. The biggest need in our church, in my mind, 
I'm watching these first to fifth graders in here. You guys have done a great job since May. <laughs> like sitting in here, learning. I hope it's provided a good opportunity for you as a family to debrief. Um, I hope it's provided you also, as you get older, an opportunity to go, here's what church, big church, looks like. It's a great opportunity, but at the same time, I want you to be able to learn and grow in a way that fits kind of where you're at. And so it's, it's a huge burden of my heart to, to, to be able to bring back first to fifth grade. And to do that, we need more help. And we're almost there, but we need more help. Ross and MRI. Um, and so we hope you are engaged in serving in the life of the church. Also important, and just laying this out here for you, one of the disciplines and one of the joys of being a Christian and, and, and being a part of the church is that you have the privilege and the opportunity to worship God by giving financially. One guy said it this way. He said, I can tell a lot about a Christian by what they do with their checkbook. That's really important. And I know I'm the pastor and I'm employed here, and so you're going, yeah, but you work here. But this is a biblical value that we see. I was a, I was a believer for about a year, and I was in college and this guy, man, I looked up to him. He was discipling me. And one day, we were just out running errands. And um, I went to the bank. And back when you actually had to go in the bank, you had to actually talk to people at the bank. Some of you never had that experience. And I'd go into the bank and look at my checking account. And something was wrong. Like, I, maybe I thought I had $150 and I only had $75, you know, as a college student in the bank. And I kind of went off on the teller, the lady in the bank. And my friend was standing there. And then I came out and I was just kind of telling him what had happened and thinking that this guy who was discipling me uh, would agree with me and be upset as well. And he said, Seth, I just got to ask you one question. You've been a believer for about a year. Um, do you give financially to the church, to our church? I'm like, what in the world? Why is this guy asking me that right now? He needs to be allied with me. Sorry. Um, he needs to feel what I'm feeling right now. And then we had a conversation. He said, you know, um, it, it sounds like from your attitude and how you responded to this situation that, that maybe you think this money is yours. See, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. And oftentimes our attitude with our money is, I've got to save it. And, and, he, and he said this to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, if you can't give now when you have $75 in your account, you're not going to give later when you've got a lot more money. Because my excuse was, well, I don't have enough money to give you. And his essential message was, start somewhere. See, this is a discipline, but it's also a joy. It's part of discipleship to be able to give. You see it all the way through the New Testament. To those who teach you, you see it in the New Testament to being a cheerful giver and person. Uh, Corinthians is an example of what Christ has done for you, giving his indescribable gift to us. And so serving and giving and last going. It's part of who we are. We're sojourning missionaries in this world. So we look at those around us and find ways to engage them with the gospel and engage in serving the community around us. We've got a number of things planned this year between serve days as well as mission trips, the student ministry. In student ministry, we plan a mission trip for you. I'm looking, we're looking to plan another mission trip to engage in the mission of God. So all that to say, <laughs> went a little longer. All that to say, 2021, let's remember our purpose and our mission as a church. Let's embrace our identity as believers in Christ and let's engage in the discipleship task here at this church that God has given us.
You know, it's interesting, we build 2020 as this building year, which we can kind of joke about, and it kind of, COVID definitely slowed our roll, for sure. But there's some good things that happened in 2020 that I want to point out to you in this church. There's some good things that happened. God brought us a lot of new folks, committed folks, who've already committed themselves to us, which is a great blessing. I wrote these down. Many, many ways, in many ways, we can talk about this next week at the family gathering. We're in a better place financially, if you can imagine that, than we were last year. Keep giving. Um, <laughs> see, I take notes of when you laugh. Oh, yeah. um, we had baptisms this year. We had three ladies get baptized. We had a number of professions of faith. There's growth. I think in all of us through hardship and the unknowns, it kind of stripped away all the fluff of church life, no coffee, other things in our lives as well. We had to adapt. Every church had to adapt to the changes and the challenges thrown our way to figure out live stream to have people like Luke Wingle, and I, I told myself I would mention names, and then that's guy spent so much time between March and May, like helping pre-recorded sermons work as the Gatman. Um, since God allowed us to adapt and change, He protected us during COVID. I don't know if you know this, but we, we, we've been meeting, we've been kind of stubborn, I've been stubborn, um, from mid-May to now. I don't know many churches that have been able, whether the time frame or not is different, um, that didn't have some kind of pause in that because there was exposure. And that may still happen, but I want you to know that God has protected our time. He's protected us meeting physically together all of that time. We haven't missed a Sunday since the mid-May. That is a huge blessing. That is God's protection in this place for this time. That's an amazing thing. No interruptions. He's brought recently, we've, um, we've needed a, a C3 Kids Director, and um, we've spent five months, and Ross Quayar has agreed to intermittently at least do that for us. And Jordan is helping, so I'm excited about um, as we begin a new year, having them on board on our staff team. Um, we've added three new elders. Brent, I, I remember the first year we were here going, okay, it's me and you, pal. And um, added Wheeler and added Jim and Chris to the elder team. It's a huge blessing to me. Um, it's been a great blessing to me. Kept probably me out of some trouble with things that I might have done um, in this time. And so you guys have been a rich blessing. That's a huge blessing for our church in 2020 to install new elders. Uh, the ministries of our church have continued to meet people caring and reaching out to others in ways, maybe, maybe ways you never even imagined before COVID and to see the body care for one another. Um, to, to watch you, as I mentioned before, navigate uh, a couple of things, not just COVID, but to, to watch all of you navigate masks or no masks. To watch you navigate injustice in our world and, and work Together, even if you had a different take, see also Romans 14. Um, but there are churches that have divided completely. There are pastors who've been fired over, over, over the race thing in our country. In churches that have completely divided, churches I know that have completely divided over these two issues. And that hasn't happened here. That's a great blessing. It's a testament to you and the leadership here that serve alongside of me. I'm losing my place because there's a lot of things. I'm trying to. To, to, to share with you the things that God has done even in a hard year. To see people serve in ways, in additional ways, and 
never asked them to serve in that way. Um, we've added many folks to the worship team. We're starting a Woodlands community group. We've been working on that for a while. We've fed thousands. Jim Cohn, Laron, fed thousands, helped feed thousands of kids in the Magnolia, um, Conroe, Woodlands area for kids' meals um, that have been in more need. Um, and I'm proud of our church. I'm encouraged by you. I'm proud to be your pastor. And as we look to 2021, as we look to re-engage, we want to pick the plow back up. We want to pick the plow back up. We want to be a people who worship, who connect, who learn, who serve, who go. We want to be a people who remembers the mission. The mission doesn't change. Until Jesus come back, comes back, the mission doesn't change. We're in. We're soldiers on a mission of making disciples. So we've got some plans. We're going to unpack some of those plans next week on the 10th. I'm going to tease you with that um, on the 10th at a family gathering. But a man once said it this way, make no small plans, for they have no power to stir people's blood. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs uh, about vision, without vision the people are dead. So we have some great plans that we're going to unpack for you. Um, in this next year, and we want to re-engage, but maybe you're sitting there going, man, it's hard. It's hard right now. There's so much burden on us. How are we going to do that? How are we going to re-engage? Let me illustrate, and then I'll make my point. You ever been on the camping trip? Not not the RV camping trip, right? The, the real camping trip where you're in a tent. If you're over about 25, you know before you go, you know, before you go, your back's going to hurt. You're not going to get sleep. But it's going to be worth it because the kids are going to have a good time. You're going to do some fun things during the day. You can get no sleep. Even if you go to Jellystone, okay, you're going to do tent camp at Jellystone. It's going to be hard. But you know what gets you through? What gets you through, these are the first four problems, right? But, but what gets you through is that you're going to come home. <laughs> you're going to come home to thread camp, all right? You're going to come home to a bed and a real pillow. It's flat and not crooked. You're going to come home and you're not going to have to put your sandals on to go take a shower. You're going to come home. That keeps you going. And not only does it keep you going on the camping trip, it halfway allows you to enjoy what's going on on the camping trip if you choose to camp. There's a perspective that you've got to have about, about camping, that home awaits. And when I think about perspective in the Christian life, I think about Paul, and we've talked about this verse a number of times this year. Did you know 2 Corinthians, I'm going back there, this light, Paul talks about this light momentary affliction. Think about Paul's life again. He called what he went through light momentary affliction. That's not the first world problem of the camping trip. That's persecution. That's hardship. That's way harder than any pandemic like we're going through. He called Light momentary affliction compared, so he's comparing it to something. The eternal, he's comparing it to this. The eternal weight of glory that awaits. So he had this perspective as he lived life on eternity. This perspective that allowed him to live through a lot of mess. It's the same perspective that allowed you to live through a lot of mess until that day. But until that day, Paul also said this in Philippians Chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And I think we have it up here. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this as it relates to 2021. 
as we move forward with the purpose and the mission and the pathways that God has put in front of us as a church. Philippians 3, he says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, amen, and straining forward to what lies ahead, next three words, I press on. I press on. Toward what? The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. That perspective that home awaits. I press on here and now, waiting on that prize. And then he goes on to say, let those of us who are mature think that way. So we need an eternal perspective on life, all of life, to live out the truth of the gospel, to live with purpose, to live with mission until that day. So we long for home. And here's the thing. This is not our home. We're sojourning missionaries here, living on the, with the purpose of glorifying God and making much of God and making disciples. But this isn't our home. Don't get comfortable here. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be COVID and political unrest and conflict. But our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the next world to come. So C3, your takeaway is simply this. We press on, family. We press on. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit who indwells us and works in us, that enables us by your grace to press on. Left to ourselves, we can't do it. We have no way of pressing on in our own strength. The strength will fail us, cause us to freeze up, but Lord, we thank you for the power of the Spirit in our lives. We pray that, Lord, that you would do a work in our hearts, wherever we are, that we would engage. We would and remember purpose in which you've called all of us in all of our lives to, to exalt you, to live for you, to know you, to meet with you, to be priests, to live in the face of God. And Lord, let that be fuel for us, for our lives, to, to make disciples this task that you've given us as, as the people of God, the church in this place, to make disciples, to see people come to faith, to help people grow and mature in faith, to teach them to obey, and to multiply, to not rest on our morals, but to see people equipped and trained that they can do the same with others. Lord, we pray that as a church, that we would be about blessing other churches and planting other churches as we move forward, as the New Testament did, where we pray for these big plans. And we have no way of seeing and knowing how you're going to bring these about, but Lord, we pray that you would do a work in our hearts first. We pray that we would be a church about making disciples who help people know Christ and mature in Christ and multiply in Christ. And Lord, pray for these efforts these feeble efforts, but efforts nonetheless that we have, these pathways to pursue, to see the mission of God fulfilled in this place. And so, Lord, we pray, I pray that we would engage. I pray that I would engage. I pray that this membership and these attenders would engage in the mission of God this year. Lord, go before us. Thank you for the way that you've blessed even the hard year. And Lord, we ask that you would do the same in 2021. We love you.